Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. How's everybody doing today? Good to see you guys. Looks like we're, we've got some more people joining us inside as these restrictions have lifted, which is really fun. Love seeing it more full in here, but I might miss the horn honks. Do we have anybody in the parking lot for a horn honk? <gasps> we do! Yay! Horn honks. They're not going away yet, so... Um, if you're new here, you can join us online, you can join us in the parking lot, you can join us in person, what is it? whatever is most comfortable for you, um, we want to do. Hey, I want to highlight that worship night real quick. Um, we're calling it Simple Worship for a reason. There's not going to be a band, um, it's just going to be worship tracks that we're playing. Um, we might have some words of encouragement for you, um, but it's just going to be a night of simple worship. So it's a night for you to come, be in the presence of God, and just worship Him, so... If that's something that you want to do, that's going to be an in-person only thing. We're not going to have the parking lot or uh, it online. It'll just be in-person. Um, so feel free to come in and, and uh, just worship with us next Friday night at 6.30 p.m. Hope you'll be there. Um, one more thing before I get started. We got new mugs. These are for our anybody new. Um, these are for our new friends coming in. So they got our new logo on there. And um, if you are online and you are new, I will hand deliver this mug to you as long as you're in a reasonable distance. If you're like in Kansas, sorry, I'm not coming. Um, but if you're within central Illinois, I will, I'll come deliver one of these to you. All you got to do is comment below. Just tell us you're new and uh, I'll follow up with you later and uh, I'll come give you a mug. I'm serious. I would love to do it. It would really be fun for me to do it. So don't feel bad. Um, but yeah, if you're new, we'd love to know about it. Love to connect with you. Well, um, this week, we are in our third series, our third um, message in the series, Teach Us to Pray. And so we're in Luke 11, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, and like we talked about a couple weeks ago, the, the disciples saw something in Jesus, that they were like, I want your prayer life. And so they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Whatever they heard, whatever they saw, day after day in Jesus, they wanted that. And so that's what the same question that we're asking, or statement, I guess it is, is Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to be able to pray like you. And so this prayer that Jesus teaches, the Lord's Prayer, which you're probably familiar with, is one that uh, covers every aspect of our lives, from the big things to the small things. Um, it's a rich and deep prayer. We can pray every day. Um, last week, Liz talked about uh, the love of the Father, and the Father always being near to us. And so what we talk about today flows from that. And today's, today's line is, hallowed be your name. I've got an opening question for you. As I say every week, if, you, um, if you're in person or in the parking lot and you want to get on Facebook Live too, feel free to do so. I think it's really cool that we can kind of bring our community in one place, and if you want to comment, be on your phone while I'm preaching. I don't care at all. I think it's kind of cool. So if that'd be fun for you to interact with people online, feel free to do that. Just turn your volume down. So I got an opening question for you to write in the comments of Facebook. Um, what are, are or were your parents the best at when you were a kid? When you were like, I don't know, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 15, or maybe now, what are your parents the best at? Like when you think of it, maybe it's something silly, maybe it's something really serious. What are they the best at? Let us know in the comments. Well, having established the father-child relationship 
as the context for Jesus' prayer life. Jesus gives us the first of seven petitions in this prayer, the first of seven asks. He says, hallowed be your name. And often we can skip right over this, can't we? Like, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and then we go right into the rest of the prayer. It's like a the preamble to a book or, or the preface or the foreword. We just skip right over and we don't really read it. But this is a really deep part. You know, um, our church, Life Community Church, came out of the Vineyard Movement. Um, if you're not familiar with the Vineyard Movement, it's, a, it's over 2,000 churches around the world. And um, we all kind of share the same DNA, but express it a little bit differently. And one of those things that we kind of focus on is uh, the kingdom of heaven, that, that God's work is happening here and now. And so we love to like get to that part in the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we kind of skip over those first two lines to get to the, what we think is like the meat of the prayer and we kind of like hang out there. But as I have been discovering in my own life, this hallowed be your name is so important to our life and such a deep and rich prayer. In fact, uh, this week, as I was preparing the sermon, I spent two hours preparing for the kingdom stuff, and I totally forgot about the hallowed be thy name. I thought Liz kind of covered it last week, um, and I just skipped right over it. So I'm so guilty of this in my own life. But now, as I've studied and I've looked into it, this is a rich and deep prayer. I think you could, you could just hang out and dwell in this hallowed be your name. And I'll show you how here. Um, I want to I look back and see um, what, what you guys said about your parents. So uh, showing affection is what somebody said. Artistic. That's awesome. Arranging furniture. My mom was artistic and great at arranging furniture. Unconditional love. Ooh, good at softball I see back there. Art projects. A couple of artist parents over there. Uh, tremendous cook. That's awesome. So you guys, that's what you see. Jesus, he is the master teacher, the master prayer. And so that's why we're coming to Jesus and saying, teach us to pray. So sometimes we take this hallowed be thy name as a, as a statement, as just like a reminder of, okay, keep God's name holy. Uh, it's kind of like the intro to the prayer to say, okay, uh, got to remember that I got to keep God's name holy as I pray. I'm talking to a holy God, and so my prayers better be good. So that's how we think of it sometimes. But it's so much deeper than that. It's beyond just a statement or an acknowledgement of what's true. Um, it's, a, it's a way that we can live our life. And so this first ask, this first petition is one that comes, can only come from a child to his father who has communion with his father, who has a relationship with his father. Because as we'll see here going forward, that the desire of Jesus at the heart of hallowed be thy name is that everyone know how great the father is, how wonderful he is, how best he is, how great a father he is to us. And for us, as we grow spiritually, this desire for us as his children comes from the indwelling Holy Spirit moving in and through our lives. We learn that. We learn how great the Father is. We see in Romans 8.15, if you want to turn there with me, um, 
In Romans 8, 15, it's written, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. One of the things I really enjoyed learning last week from Liz's sermon is that Abba Father is like saying dad, not necessarily daddy, because even adults would call their dad in Jewish culture Abba. Um, And I don't call my dad daddy anymore, but I do call him dad. He's the only one that gets that from me. I don't call anybody else dad. And so it's a very intimate thing. It's It's a very relational thing that we get to call God. And so this verse is telling us that through the Holy Spirit, we know that we are adopted by God as his kids, his children. And through the same Spirit, we have this relationship and understanding of God that, like Jesus, burns within us to tell the world of our great Father. Now imagine this kind of relationship in your own prayer life. We're not going to God as fearful slaves, like this passage says, or maybe Uh, We can relate to it a little bit more. Maybe if we, you've had like a, have you ever had a bad boss before? Like a manager that just yells at you? I had a, I had a manager, a boss once. Oh man. He's, he put together the most intricate uh, combinations of swears I've ever heard. And they were all directed at me. Like just to get me to do what he wanted, right? And I think sometimes we can go to God like really scared and fearful. Like, okay, I, I, I'm kind of scared of you, but it's a father-son relationship. Not just any father, but a perfect father. And what if we have that in our prayer life? We're talking with, we're communing with God in the context of a father-child relationship, just as Jesus does. Not out of fear or terror, but as a son or daughter of the God who wants the best for his kids, the very best for his kids. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants the best for you? Like really deep in your heart, do you know that? I'm sure many of us have difficulty believing this at times. Like, does God really want the best for me? And I assure you, he does. For you parents out there, if I asked, hey, do you want the best for your kids? I'm sure every one of you would say, of course I want the best for my kids. Yeah, I want the best for my kids. None of you would say, well, yeah, for this kid, but these two kids, I don't know about them. Like, I don't know if I want the best for them. No, of course not. You want the best for all of your children. And the same is true with God. He wants the best for us, every one of us. And as we start to grow in knowing him and understanding his perfect, compassionate, fatherly heart for us, the more we can say, hallowed be your name. May your name be great, God. May everyone in my life know how wonderful you are. In our human parent-child relationships, uh, this desire of wanting our parents to be great, it's not learned. It's like deep within us. We're born with it. We're pre-wired with it. What most children learn is a is a loss of innocence, an awakening to maybe our parents aren't all that perfect as we grow up. For some children, this happens earlier. For others, for some, it's an ongoing series of disappointments. For others, earthly father holds up pretty well, but still far from perfect. 
But when we're young, we have this idealistic view of our parents until we learn otherwise. I have another question for you if you want to put it on Facebook. What do your kids think that you're the very best at? It can be serious. It can be funny. What do your kids think you are the very, very best at? And maybe, uh, uh, yeah, write it in the, in the Facebook comments there. For me, my kids think I am the best. I mean, top of the world. No one can compare. I'm the best pizza chef in the world. I mean, when I start to make my pizza, usually um, I'll, I'll start getting out the dough and making the dough. And my kids are like, yeah, it's pizza night. And they're so excited. They tell me I should open up Daddy's Pizza Restaurant. And um, they just love my pizza so much. What they're going to grow up and find out is that my pizza is not the best in the world. And I'm surprised they haven't noticed yet. But my pizza, all it is, it's dough from Walmart in a can. You roll it out, you know. And then I get Walmart pizza sauce, Walmart brand pizza sauce. I put that on, and I've got some sausage from Walmart, and I've got some pepperoni from Walmart, and I put those on the pizza. The cheese I special order from Italy. I'm just kidding. I don't special order it. It's from Walmart, too. Um, And... I just put that in the oven and it's done. And they think it's the best thing in the world. What they're going to find out later, though, it's not the best in the world. We, we start to find that out as we grow up. This is a theme of children expecting the best in their parents, needing their parents to be the best throughout movies and literature. Uh, one of the movies that was on in my house seemed, seemed like it was on more than it should be was Annie, the 1982 version of Little Orphan Annie. And she has this song in there where she says, uh, it's called Maybe. And she talks about what her parents could be and might be. Uh, and she just expects them to be perfect. Like maybe they're young, maybe they're pretty, maybe they're rich. Uh, maybe they have a closet full of clothes for me and they're just waiting to come pick me up and they're going to come get me. She expects the best in her parents. In the Star Wars universe, uh, Luke, he comes to believe that his father is a great Jedi or was a great Jedi until Darth Vader killed him. So he thinks he's this uh, great, respected Jedi. And then he comes to find out, spoiler alert, that Darth Vader is his father. And he's like, no, I can't be. There's that picture of him saying no. It's such an ugly face, but, you know, gets the point across. And then Later in the Star Wars universe, we have Rey. Like, the kind of her story revolves around who her parents were. And at one point, Kylo Ren, her enemy, tells her that uh, her parents were just junk traders and, and, uh, and drunks that sold her, and it devastates her. And then she finds out the truth of who her grandfather is. Another spoiler coming up. That her grandfather is the most evil man in the entire universe and has been for <laughs> centuries, I guess. And so she learns to realize that all's not what she wants it to be. This theme of the intrinsic desire of children expecting their parents to be great and then being let down, it doesn't hold up in the spiritual realm. It doesn't hold up with our relationship with the Father. With the Heavenly Father, it's the exact opposite of here uh, as we experience with our parents. As children in the faith, we have a very small view of God. And we are asking to grow up into greater revelation and experiences of who he is. So instead of 
God being this great God, and then he lets us down. It's the exact opposite. Once you start a relationship with the Father, you think he's great for sure, and then it only gets better from there as you experience him. You know, kids, they find out that their dad can't really beat up every bully. But spiritual maturity is the confidence that your God can beat up every bully and that your heavenly Father can deal with every problem with you. At its broadest sense, this is a prayer, hallowed be your name, that throughout all creation, that our Father's name would be honored, his nature be made known, his character revealed, his image restored, his goodness proclaimed, his beauty adored, his power displayed, his reputation vindicated, his truth and spirit cherished, his name made famous. Hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. Keeping his name holy here is much more than just uh, not saying it when you stub your toe or something goes wrong, using his name in vain. A name in the biblical context is much more than just a name. In the biblical context, the name of a person, and even more, a family name, represented everything about them. In their culture, a person's name was representative of the whole person, their reputation, their character, their nature. What people said or thought about them really mattered. And so it's so much more than being careful when you stub your toe. It's how we represent and reflect our good heavenly Father to others. So as we say, hallowed be your name, holy be your name, part of that is up to us to reflect that to the people around us. Some of your versions in the Bible, I think specifically the ESV, it's got a little footnote next to Matthew 6, 9, where we find the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name, right after that. And the footnote gives two alternate and really appropriate translations of hallowed be your name. It says, let your name be kept holy, or let your name be treated with reverence. Dallas Willard, a theologian, he translates this phrase, may your name be treasured and loved. May your name be treasured and loved. Additionally, he says about that, we would do better to translate the language here as let your name be sanctified. Let it be uniquely respected. Really, the idea here is that his name should be treasured and loved more than any other, held in an absolutely unique position among humanity. And so at its narrowest sense, this prayer is saying, God, as your child, I will show others what you're truly like. That as your children, as the church, together we're going to show our world your true nature. That God, the way we carry ourselves in the world, the way we navigate every relationship, every decision, every interaction, every conversation, would express your nature, would be true to the nature of you, God. We want to be reflections of you so that the world may know how great you are. Hallowed be your name. This petition, it's a correction of what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve when they chose to believe a lie and chose to believe that 
there was, that God was holding out on them, that God wasn't as good as he was saying he was. Keeping our Heavenly Father's name holy is the undoing of the lie that was internalized by Adam and Eve, and really all of us. When we think about it, many of our sins come down to believing that God isn't who he says he is. He's not as good as he says he is. That what we want to do is better than what God says to do. And this lie, it leads to us rejecting God's good governance in exchange for our self-governance, ultimately leaving us without him, empty and broken. The lie that he was withholding good things from his creation. And this request, hallowed be thy name, may your name be kept holy, acknowledges what all of mankind most needs. And that's to be restored to a view of God and come back under his good rule and reign and live in his good kingdom. And Jesus, he's the exact image of the invisible God, his perfect son. And so as we saw in Romans, we are adopted into his family. As his children and disciples, we carry the message of Jesus who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we can't do that perfectly, but we're called to move towards it. We're called to make a move towards Jesus. That's why we're asking him to teach us to pray. The petition that the Father would become known as he truly is, is the desire that we would grow in knowing him as he truly is. And then as we know that, we start to reflect God's true nature as he truly is. And the prayer that God would make himself known in part by using us, his children, reflects the reality that we cannot do that apart from cooperating with his indwelling Holy Spirit and living life with him. And there are places, as we think about this, there are places in our life where we have to repent for the ways we have misrepresented or distorted him in our lives. How have we represented him to the community? How have we represented God to our family? Have we kept his name holy in that way? How have we represented um, God to the nation? As I was uh, preparing this message, um, I saw a new video of the, of the Capitol riots or siege or protests, whatever you want to call it. And in one scene of this new video that came out, there were people beating other people up, throwing cops downstairs, down the Capitol steps. And in the middle of that, there's a guy with a Bible held up as high as he could, as if to say, this is the Lord's work for us to rush the Capitol, to beat people up, to have a governmental change under the, under the banner of Jesus. And as you keep watching that video, you see the video, um, you, you probably saw some of it on the news where they're flipping through like Ted Cruz's papers on the Senate floor, you know, and they're just kind of like milling around down there. What I didn't see on the news that I'm kind of thankful for, but millions of people did see, is there's this point where they stand at the front of the Senate and a guy gets up there and he says, Jesus Christ, we invoke your name! As though Jesus is the one prompting this riot. 
as though this is what Jesus would want them to do. And then after that, the guy with the buffalo horns and no shirt, all throughout this video, he's been dropping F-bombs left and right. He says, we should pray. And so he starts this prayer invoking the name of our God, the God of reconciliation and peace and love, as though God is the one who's driving this protest. And that's on display for our nation to see. Uh, If you want to know more about my political views and where I think politics falls in the realm of church, go back and listen to my sermon right before the election happened. Um, I talked some more about that, about how, um, how our first allegiance is to Jesus. And so it grieves my heart to see that the Christian symbols and the name of Jesus Christ are, are being invoked to, to say this is what God wants. And if, if that's what Jesus wanted, then Jesus would have said, hey, go make disciples and make nations. Go make disciples and, and make governments to get our message across. That's how we're going to do it. But that's not what he does. He says, and he gives the example to walk with people in their life, one-on-one relationships in our families, in our communities, in central Illinois, in the people around you, with your coworkers. We walk one-on-one with those people. We, we walk with them towards Christ. I don't think we're going to get our, I don't think we're going to get the message of Jesus Christ and real heart change happening by government interference. It's going to happen with the church. It's going to happen with you and me. And I want good government. And I want Jesus in our government. 100%. Don't hear that wrong. But the way in which we do it matters. The way in which we represent God's name. Hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. That's what matters here in how we do that. And is God's name being kept holy going to happen by, uh, by a riot? Uh, or is it going to happen by us walking with the people in our world, by being real change, one-on-one with people, our church doing things in the community to, to enact change? So where in our lives, maybe we need to uh, apologize and repent on a national scale because we've put maybe politics above Jesus. Maybe it's more on a personal level. For me, I think about... Um, How have I shown my family? How have I shown the people in my community God's mercy? Are they seeing that? Or am I distorting God's name when I don't show people that? How am I showing people God's forgiveness? Am I keeping his name holy by by keeping God's perfect forgiveness on display for everyone to see? What about God's perfect and lavish generosity? Is the stranger at Schnucks that I run into or in, in the line in front of, are they going to know God's great generosity? Is there something I could do to display that? How do they know God's great kindness and his patience? These are the things um, that we can put on display, that we can do to keep God's name holy. Um, I'm going to say the Lord's prayer as, as we close here. And I'm going to pause and just let there be silence as we get to hallowed be thy name. And just pray in that moment. Whatever comes to your heart, whatever comes to your mind, pray those things in in your own heart. And we'll just let there be silence. It might be uncomfortable for a little bit. Silence can be uncomfortable. Let's just uh, pause there 
and, and I'll give you a chance to pray, hallowed be thy name, and, um, and listen to what the Spirit has to say for you there. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, we repent for the ways in which we haven't represented you in our own lives, in our personal lives. And a person-to-person scale have we've messed up. And we look forward to the, the later in this prayer where we look forward to your forgiveness for that. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to come be with us and in us so that we can reflect you. And we want to bring healing to our communities. We want to bring uh, restoration and healing to Muhammad and central Illinois. We want to be part of your kingdom work. We want to represent you well. Jesus, help us to do that in our daily lives. I think as we're in quarantine still, kind of with our families, like it's easy to get short with each other. And we just ask for patience and forgiveness for generosity towards each other. And then that to flow out of our homes to our neighborhoods, communities, and all of central Illinois. Jesus, we love you. We look forward to how you're going to be working in our lives. May we keep your name holy. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.